Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, Mizzou beat writer, and joined, as always, by St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. Uh, it is, we're recording this on Wednesday. I believe there was some big news Tuesday in the world of Mizzou sports. Uh, I don't think it was the SEC basketball media preseason poll. We're just, we're just, we're going to leave that one out of the podcast today. Focus on the big news that actually took place in St. Louis at the Herbert Hoover Boys and Girls Club. A certain player picked his uh, school choice, Luther Burden, and he is headed to Missouri. We've talked about this for weeks, for months, and uh, finally there is something of substance to talk about. Luther Burden is headed to Mizzou. Ben Fredrickson, your thoughts. Touchdown Luther coming to uh, Como. That's the nickname, man. And uh, usually you'd say, well, that's a little bold to uh, nickname yourself Touchdown Luther. I don't know if he nicknamed himself that or someone else did, but when you watch him play, you kind of think, okay, this guy can actually pull that off. Uh, you know, there's guys you watch in high school and you go, that guy's a good player. And then there's guys you watch in high school and go, oh, that guy's, that guy's better than everybody else on the field. And, you know, the last time I, I really kind of felt like that watching a guy um, was probably AJ Epinesa, um, yeah. who went on to start Iowa as a defensive lineman and and went to um, you know went to Iowa and then now plays with the Buffalo Bills. Before that, it was Doriel Green Beckham in Springfield. But the thing about DGB was, and I was an intern for the Post Dispatch at the time. They sent me down to Springfield to cover DGB. David, he was like playing against guys who looked like you and me. Like he was doing <laughs> remarkable things, but he wasn't doing them against like you know. D1 competition. Luther Burden is. He's playing some of the, the best um, defenses around the country. I mean, East St. Louis goes and plays games in California. They play, you know, the best teams in, in St. Louis. They are one of the best teams in the St. Louis area. And, and he's doing great things against this competition. Um, the guy does everything, man. He kicks off. He kicks field goals. He returns punts. Um, he lets, they call it the Luther. He does this thing where he lets the punt bounce. And he just basically bets on himself to be able to pick it up off the change of direction. And it actually, he, think he thinks it gives him an advantage, um, kind of scatters the, the tacklers. And then it's like, and it's just a sprint. Um, it's kind of like one of his moves. Um, and, and on top of that, he's just a good receiver. Physical, strong, fast, loves to have the game, the ball in his hands when the game is on the line. He's the real deal. And it's a pretty big deal for Mizzou to, to grab this guy. If you're going to, do what Eli Drinkwitz wants to do and get Mizzou out of kind of the, you know, out of the bottom of the SEC East and up into the, you know, challenging the Georgias, Georgias and the Floridas. You've got to get players like this when they're in your backyard. And, um, you know, it took a lot of effort to go from having Burden commit to Oklahoma to having him peel off that commitment, reopen things. And when Alabama and Georgia come calling and, and you can, you can get that guy, I think it's a big deal. And I think, not to ramble on and on here, I think it's a it's a good sign for Drinkwitz in this new name, image, likeness era. Um, because if, if Mizzou can't get these home state area guys with, with those opportunities now available, um, then they're going to have a harder time than ever before. So it's a win for that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a win on so many fronts. For one, Eli Drinkwitz needed a win. He hasn't had yeah. one on the field in a while. Uh, so needed some good news, I think, to pump some life excitement back into the program and this is not you know they're not going to sell more tickets for the next game maybe they will but um you know their next home game isn't for a while actually they, they've got the bye this week then Vanderbilt and Georgia both on the road so it's going to be a while before anybody sees this team in person in, in Columbia 
but this is the kind of, you know, upgrade at that position. I'm not even talking about who cares where he's from. It doesn't matter who they beat. I mean, it does, but just for the sake of they're adding a really special player at a position where if you're going to be a great team, you better have NFL talent at wide receiver. Uh, you look at the elite programs in the age of the college football playoff, you're talking Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State. What do those teams produce all the time? Top flight wide receivers because they have electric passing games. And, you know, most of the time they have an NFL quarterback and most of the time they're throwing NFL receivers. I, I don't think we have one of those on the roster right now when you look at Missouri, but they could and should next year with Luther Burden. What I don't know what kind of impact player he'll be right away. He won't start on day one of practice, but probably by day two, you know, he'll be out there if he's if he's anything close to what he's billed as. Uh, he's a guy I was talking to, Terry Fenton, uh, the wide receivers coach at East St. Louis, who's only had, you know, this this fall to work with them. I, I said, so what is what kind of receiver is he? And he said he's, he's just a playmaker. You can line him up inside, outside. It doesn't matter. Uh, they, they line him up over the place because they know defenses are going to come in with a game plan to stop them. And you've got to be able to adjust on the fly. So he's going to be one of those at least he's billed as one of those special type receivers that can change a game. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works out, but then just the other factors, it does matter where he's from because this is a, in the St. Louis area, Missouri has historically had gone through ups and downs with getting the best players in St. Louis. There's, there's the history is there. It, it says it, you know, Gary Pinkle had great years, great couple of years, and then they'd miss out on a few that would go somewhere else, and you'd think, oh, gosh, can they recapture this? Barry Odom never quite captured it. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz has. This is, if you look at this current recruiting class and last year's recruiting class, the current freshman, he is he has either signed or gotten commitments from seven, four, or five-star players from just the St. Louis area. Seven. That's, that's uh, three last year, four in the 2022 class. I, I did the math. You've got to go back from 2012 to 2020. Missouri signed six from St. Louis that ranked that high. So this is this is unlike anything we've seen in the modern recruiting age, where all these players are ranked and slotted and all that and projected. So he's doing something right, and and then to do it against Georgia and Alabama, primarily Georgia. I, I don't Alabama's hat was on the table, but I don't know how how uh, intensely they were really recruiting him. Georgia certainly was. That, that makes a statement. Georgia went out today and flipped a five-star defensive tackle from USC, so they got over it pretty quickly. But, um, you know, it, it was a, a, a big, big statement, and we'll see if it pays off on the field. Yeah, I think what Luther said after the commitment was like, this is going to be a pipeline kind of thing, and, yeah. and guys, guys are going to want to follow me, and, and that's my goal. That's part of why I'm doing this. Now, Mizzou's not going to be the right place for every guy who plays college football out of St. Louis and Mizzou would be in trouble if it simply handed out scholarships based off of a guy playing in St. Louis. Um, Barry got into some guys who maybe were not SEC caliber trying yeah. to kind of make up for some early losses. And that's always such a delicate balance. And we've seen coaches wrestle with that at Mizzou, but here's the deal. And I know some folks who, who are not, you know, as St. Louis centric as, as I am, you know, covering things for the post-dispatch, and obviously, you know, you're you're in Columbia, but, you know, there, we do hear, you know, Kansas City gets grouchy or, you know, Joplin says, what's what is this, you know, obsession with St. Louis? Well, here's the deal. Where's the talent coming from? 
Right. I mean, I mean, where's where's Nick Saban and where are Kirby Smart? Where's Notre Dame? Where's Michigan? Where are they coming? They're 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 trying to get these players from the St. Louis area. And until that changes, that's got to be an emphasis for Eli Drinkwitz. It's part of the reason that I will bang the drum that Mizzou should play a game in St. Louis every year. And I know there are people who disagree with that, but that's what I think should happen. I mean, anything you can do to increase your footprint in this market, but the best way to increase your footprint is A, to win, B, to get players like Luther Burden, because there are a lot of players um, in this area who want to be like Luther Burden, who want to be the top player at their position nationally in their recruiting class. And just like when Brad Beal goes to Florida years ago and everybody goes, wow, man, that seems cool. Um, you know, going to Mizzou becomes cool. And, right. and when, when you're doing that as the, the name that everybody knows, then there's, there's momentum there. But I think for a lot of coaches, it's been like almost like based off of one guy, you know, and if things don't go well, if that guy transfers out, if he doesn't hit the field, then it's all of a sudden like, oh, my gosh, is the whole thing at risk? And I, I thought that Coach Sunkett said something really important earlier on this season before Burden committed to Mizzou. He said, the guys that I have going to Mizzou from East St. Louis are enjoying their experience. They're all good with the coaching staff. And whether they're starting or sitting on the bench, whether they're first on the depth chart or fifth, um, they know where they stand and they're good with it and they're having a good time. And that's a good thing to have. I mean, you don't want it to be based off of, well, if this guy doesn't play, then all of a sudden everything crumbles. Um, and if Tyler Macon doesn't start over Connor Bazelak, then all of a sudden no one from St. Louis wants to go to Mizzou. And I, it's not to, it's not there. And I think that's a, a strength of what Drinkwitz has done. It's a plus for the communication. And he'll continue to have to, to balance that because the recruiting is one thing. Who plays and giving the best chance to win is another. But there won't be much mystery about Luther Burden giving these guys their best chance to win. I mean, he's a special player. And if you've watched him play or watch his highlights, you can see that pretty clearly, whether he's whether he's you know returning punts or, or playing receiver or doing many of the things. But the fact that on this night that he commits, you've got, you know, some of the top players in that 2022 class buzzing about it. And you've got a, a top, you know, top 10 quarterback commit and Sam Horn, you know, stirring things up from, from where he is. And you've got, you know, the, there are ripple effects there. And, right. and it's not just going to take St. Louis, but uh, I do think that has to be the bread and butter of your recruiting if you're trying to elevate the profile of the, of the talent at Mizzou. And that's where, that's where Eli has to get. I mean, he said it as much after the game lost A&M, right? Recruiting, 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 recruiting. He said it seven times yeah. in his plans for the bye week. He's not gonna, he's not gonna dump on the guys currently on the team, but it's pretty clear that he thinks the talent needs to be upgraded. And that the numbers that you you rolled off about their 2022 class, and you should repeat them here about who's in that group right now and, and why that group is ranked 15th in the country. That's a kind of recruiting class that we haven't seen at Mizzou for a long, long time. And I think Drinkwitz, while this season has kind of hit some turbulence, he's continuing to, to build that message that he's going to recruit at Mizzou or has the chance to like no one else ever has. And that should turn into talent on the field sooner rather than later. Yeah, we, we should go through some of those numbers a little bit. I mean, you can find them all in the stories at stltoday.com, but just kind of put things in perspective. He, he is the number one rated wide receiver in the country. Uh, I think both of the major recruiting sites, rivals and and 24-7 sports have him as the sixth best player overall. Um, you know, if you look at history of the top rated recruits that Missouri has signed out of high school, uh, I'll, he's in the top. He, he's, he's second behind Doyle Greenbeckham as far as just the rankings go. 
And uh, you look at the top five, four of those five were St. Louis guys. Terry Beckner Jr., D, uh, Sheldon Richardson, Blaine Gabbert, Luther Burden, DGB from Springfield is the exception. Um, so, you know, Missouri historically has never just been able to go into Texas or Georgia or Tennessee and sign their, their five stars, their best guys. You, it just, it's just too hard to do. There's too much space in between. But when you do have a five-star player in St. Louis, maybe down in Springfield, hasn't really happened in Kansas City in, in a long time, um, you've, you've got to capitalize on that because you, you're the only school in the state that can sell proximity and now you're the only school in the state that can sell local NIL deals, uh, which is going to be really important for all of this going forward. And again, you touched on it, but I think that's a big reason why this is, this is significant. Uh, in this class alone, now this class is ranked 15th or 14th, depending on the site you use. The, the class now includes the, the country's number one wide receiver in burden, the number seven quarterback, these are rivals ratings, and Sam Horn. The number 11 running back, Tavares Jones, out of uh, Texas, El Paso, I believe. And then you've got top 20 players at their respective positions at offensive tackle. Uh, that's the guy out of Omaha, Deshaun Woods. He's the number one rated player in the entire state of Nebraska. Ouch. Not going to Lincoln. Uh, number 19, I believe, defensive tackle. That's Marquise Graciel from St. Charles High. And then you've got a top 20 safety and Isaac Thompson from um, the best high school in the country in St. Louis U High. So bias, um, media bias. Just had to subtly throw that in. Those aren't my rankings, but I would I would say Isaac Thompson should be higher. I was talking um, about your high school rankings. Oh yeah, well no, that's a fact. We can look that up too. <laughs> uh, but that just shows. I mean, they're getting really quality players, and, and like I said, all those names I just read off—they're not all from St. Louis. They're from got the running back from Texas. Uh, you got uh, you know the offensive lineman from Omaha. Um, you know, they're, they're doing this around the country too. So I think those are, those are all big statements. Look, we know it takes, it takes this kind of talent to have a shot in the, in the SEC. Otherwise you're going to get run off the field. Like, like we've seen, frankly, this year against Tennessee and Texas A&M. It hasn't been all just the shortage of talent, but that's, that's gotta be the main culprit. Um, should mention here, I mean, that Eli gets all the credit, obviously, but I think Bush Hamden's done a really good job and, and deserves some credit. He's a receivers coach at Missouri and has been able to connect with, you know, not just Luther Burden, but he was, you know, really involved with Dominic Lovett, the four-star receiver out of uh, East St. Louis last year, and, and Mookie Cooper, you know, when who, who transferred from Ohio State, a former four-star guy from St. Louis. So we should mention him too. But talking about all these names, and let we don't have to get into this season too much. We'll We'll revisit 2021 next week on the podcast when the season resumes and and we're going to take a vow here not to talk about Missouri's defense because frankly it's kind of depressing and we don't want to lose our lose our listeners so if you look at the core of next year's team offensively this is what should have Missouri fans excited and again it's all some of it's just based on recruiting rankings but you know it's not an exact science but these, these rankings are, I think they're better now than they ever have been because there's better people working at these companies and there's more of a body of work uh, digitally to be able to watch and evaluate these players. You just start at the quarterback position. You got Connor Bazelak. Who knows what's going to happen with him going forward? Uh, he's struggled lately. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Eli doesn't sound like somebody who's about to make a quarterback change, though, because he's not even giving these backups a look during games that are well out of hand in the fourth quarter. You've got Brady Cook, uh, you've got Tyler Macon, and you're bringing Sam Horn in, who's a four-star quarterback who was on ESPN2 last week 
and uh, really impressive young guy. So you start there, pretty good situation. You look in the backfield, you're losing Tyler Beatty, a huge, huge loss because he's an all-SEC running back right now. Bring back some intriguing young guys and Elijah Young, B.J. Harris, Michael Cox, I think, could be part of the rotation going forward. Hammer. And uh, and Tavares Jones is this highly touted four-star running back from, from Texas who, you know, at one point, it's hard to tell when exactly, but he did have an offer from the Texas Longhorns, and he, he chooses Missouri. And then a receiver, start with Burden. Toski Dove is, you know, has another year of eligibility. Mookie Cooper, this has been kind of a lost season for him with the injury and just kind of in and out of the lineup. Dominic Lovett. We've seen moments of, of a guy that I think can be a, a still be a really good SEC receiver. Same with J.J. Hester. And they're also adding two receivers that aren't going to – they're going to be overshadowed by Burden, but they've been committed for a long time. Makai Miller from uh, Overland Park just across the border in Kansas. And then Jamari and Wayne, who probably would be much more talked about in St. Louis from Parkway West uh, if it weren't for Burden, if it weren't for Kevin Coleman at St. Mary's High. So they're, they're going to be an influx of talent at that position. And, uh, I, you know, who's going to be throwing to them? That may be the bigger question. I still think it's Bazelak next year, but you just never know, um, especially in the age of the transfer portal where players, uh, you know, jump ship at the first sign of adversity sometimes. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be Connor, but, um, you know, not many teams have four scholarship quarterbacks who are all to some degree highly recruited. What do you think about the core of this team offensively going forward? Pretty exciting, and the kind of the playmakers uh, that that Eli should really need to open up his offense and and put on a show. Now, uh, left unsaid is what is this defense going to look like, and you know are they going to be able to pick up? So I think they need to probably refresh and re-recruit some impact transfers on the defensive yeah. side, um, and and we'll see if Wilkes is going to be the guy who's making the calls for that defense after this season. I I do think he's going to get the rest of the year to figure out if he can start to build this thing in the right direction or not, but uh, I, I wouldn't say that anybody feels confident that as of right now that, that he's the answer. So there's big questions there, but we always knew the offense was going to be the baby under Drinkwitz, and, and now he's starting to get the pieces where in the near future they should have the playmakers that they lack right now. So I, I think that you're kind of, you know, when you're in his spot, you're really working on two tracks. One is how do you get the most out of the, the team you have, and, and the second track is how do you get the team you want. And, you know, it sure seems like as this season has kind of stubbed its toe, um, it's encouraging that the the second track is still moving. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, there were if, – if Burden picks Georgia, you know, this week, then all of a sudden it's, okay, how does Drinkwitz keep up the recruiting momentum while the on-the-field momentum stalls a little bit? And, you know, he has to keep this, you know, the future is better mantra rolling. And, and that's going to be the challenge now. I mean – I don't want to be a wet blanket guy, but getting a commitment is great. Luther Burden's already decommitted once from Oklahoma. So you've got to keep the guys in the boat until the scholarship papers are signed. And I think it's another win for Drinkwitz that Burden says, hey, I'm, I'm, I am fully committed. I'm not going to continue my recruitment. Right. I think that was big because, you know, George is going to keep trying to get him. And they should because Eli would. And Eli has flipped, Eli has flipped guys late. Yeah. Uh, and nothing's final until the scholarship is, is signed, right? But the fact that Burden, if Burden would have said, I'm going to Mizzou, but I'm also going to you know, keep things open. Well, then you basically didn't commit. Uh, that's the way that works. So I think that keeping these guys on board, despite whatever frustration happens 
in season this year is big, but that kind of refreshes that future track, right? The fact that Burden says, yeah, I know they're struggling this year, but, but I'm, but I'm still in and, and we're going to, we're going to build this thing that, that goes a long way toward promising that there, there's going to be better days ahead. So Eli gets that. And, and I think he, he really needed this win. watching that video of him reacting. It was clear that he didn't know 100% that, that it was a done deal unless he's a very good actor. I think he had some mystery. I'm sure he felt like he was good, but I think he felt like he won a game when he, when he got that. And, and now he knows people are looking ahead going, okay, you know, there might be some struggles on Saturdays, but this is, this is encouraging. Um, you know, the other thing too, and, and you mentioned that the assistants you recruited, I, I think the the folks who are, you know, this is such a weird thing, this NIL thing, right? Like, right. Because you can't be used in recruiting, but everybody knows that that's a joke. Um, Eli can't be the one, you know, pitching the deals, right? But it, guys are going to know what's on the table before they commit, whether it's Georgia or Alabama or USC, Missouri, Iowa State, whatever. And that's an element of this new world. And, and I wrote a column back in August saying that if Missouri wants to, wants to compete with Georgia and Florida, you have to have players on the field who could play at Georgia and Florida. Coaching, of course, is a big part of it. But it's about the guys on the field. It's about the talent. And if Missouri wants to, wants to be able to have guys on the field who can compete with those guys, then you have to make sure the ones from Missouri, from, from the area, don't go to those places. Yeah. And part of that is, is making sure that those players realize there's value in playing at Mizzou. And, and it, I do think we're going to see, I guess, you know, down the line that Luther Burden is, is going to maximize opportunities for this new rule. And that should bode well. But if Missouri, you know, businesses and folks and, and companies that want to see the Tigers do well on the football field, if they didn't step up to the plate, then I don't know that this would have been happening. So, you know, it's a strange thing that you can't know what the deal is yet officially. But anybody who thinks that those conversations weren't being had with any player across the country, with any school, they're crazy right now. Um, and I think that, you know, folks get deserve credit for putting their money where their mouth is when they when it comes time to do that. So that's, I'm sure, part of this, too. Um, and now it's now we can, as Jimbo Fisher said, those things can be talked about. Yeah. They, they used to happen before. Nobody talked about them. So Missouri, Missouri has a chance there to, you know, really incentivize guys for picking Mizzou. And, and I think that I think that this is an opportunity where maybe maybe some some key companies, some key businesses did that or will do that in the near future. So that deserves some, some credit too. Um, you know, and I, I just go back to what you said, man, this, this program needed a boost right now. And uh, it kind of felt like, 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 is this going to be a tip back in the right direction or is this going to be a tip in the struggle bus direction? And I think it was a pretty significant, uh, significant win for Drinkwitz. And I will also defend my take that when he made the comment about Mizzou circling the wagons, after uh, after Burden initially committed to Oklahoma was not a reference to the Buffalo Bills, but was a reference to getting Luther Burden back on Mizzou's side of things. I will I will die defending that take, Dave. <laughs> uh, okay, I, we'll agree to disagree there. That's fine. That's fine. It's no fun when we agree on everything. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think this is this brave new world of NIL. I think Missouri's got a coach who gets it, who understands that. This has to be on their side, something that they have to use to their advantage. Um, I, I think he's got an AD that agrees with them. You know, Desiree hasn't, Desiree Refrancois hasn't talked a lot of, about that yet. I mean, she's still, you know, trying to figure out the lay of the land to some degree. Um, but she's always been more on the aggressive side of, of 
just some of her philosophies, the things that she did at UNLV. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of success on the field, but building the infrastructure there, the things that she's supportive of, you know, tends to, for me, that I, I think she, she's on board with all of this, uh, just because I think she looks at things in kind of the modern view of, of college athletics, maybe not the old boys network that, you know, a lot of older ADs, some that are retired now may have, may have viewed things. It's, it's funny because all these things we're talking about with NIL deals and, and whatever it takes to help sway a Luther burden a year ago, if we're talking about this, you know, it, it's all shady. It's all under the table. It's uh, we're talking like Will Wade, Bill Self stuff that is going to draw the ire of the NCAA. Maybe, maybe not in Will Wade's case. Um, now it's just part of the game. And uh, like it or not, this is the reality of recruiting in, in 2021, 2022. So, uh, you know, eventually I think we'll see those details uh, and, and we'll know a bit more, but I do think it can absolutely help a program like Missouri. I mean, there's Luther Burden's name, Touchdown Luther, it resonates so much more in this state and in the city of St. Louis, especially, and I think it will in Columbia than it would in Athens or Atlanta, where he's, he, he could be a great player there. He could go, he could have gone to Georgia and become the number one player in the draft and a Heisman Trophy candidate, but his, his market value is, is different in St. Louis and Missouri because in Georgia, he's just one of the many five stars at Missouri for right now. He's, he's the only one. So it'll be interesting. Another, another stat on him. You were talking about the touchdowns. I believe he's scored 20 touchdowns in eight games this year, five on offense, five on returns. Uh, in seven games, Missouri's team has 31 touchdowns. So I, th I think they will gladly take a player with that kind of talent. It'll be interesting to see just how they get him involved. I, I remember DGB's first practices at Missouri. And, you know, I was guilty as anyone kind of counting the touches in practice, thinking like, you know, are they going to get this guy involved on day one? And it took a while for him. Um, I, I don't think Burden, as long as he's healthy and on campus and engaged with everything, I, I think he'll be – more of an instant impact player, just because again, the versatility, they can move him around. I think he can help them in the return game. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of things he can do. Gosh, he, the guy punts and kicks too. So he's, he's shown at the high school level, he's willing to do anything and everything to help his team. And, uh, and the fact that he's going to be there for spring practices is huge. You cannot overlook that. He's, he plans to be on campus in January and, and be there for, for all of spring ball, which is, you know, enormous if you're an offensive coach and you want to get things started right away yeah I kind of remember Macklin first made his impact in the return game right yeah um and, and I remember going who oh my gosh this guy oh, he's pretty special and then I'll look at where it went from from there obviously but he brings that instant you know must watch you don't go you don't go get the popcorn from the concession stand he's about to return a punt or a kick because it is it could just he could just turn it in why turn it into a touchdown. I don't know why anybody in high school gives him the ball in that scenario. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they try not to, but he goes and chases down the bounce and then it's just like helter skelter. Next thing you know, he's in, he's in the end zone. What, what has impressed me watching him is, is just his, you know, tenacity. He's not, he, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they're faster, they're stronger, you know, there might be bigger and, and that stands out, but he has a real, he plays with the, with the uh, positive anger, I would, I would say, I mean, he's, yeah. he wants, he wants to win the game. He wants the ball in his hands. Um, he, he thinks that, that he can give his team the best chance to win whatever the scenario is. And, 
you, you, you've got to have that in a, in a star player. I mean, he's, he can't be passive and he is far, he's far from that. He loves the competition. I watched him play at CBC and he was, you know, uh, you know, the fans were on him and he loved it. I mean, he, he truly loves that, that aspect of the game. And some guys don't, some guys yeah. fake it and they don't show up when it's when the, when the spot is on heat, he brings it. And I think that Mizzou fans will probably see that right away. So significant, significant win on the recruiting tail. And I think they got a pretty talented player here. And I do think that the, Eli Drinkwitz just got his second best recruiter because if Burden starts calling guys and Burden starts saying, hey, come with me, um, you know, that's going to make a difference. Um, the fact that he's playing at, at a high school that churns out talent, um, you know, every year East St. Louis is sending guys to top colleges and will continue to. Um, the fact that Drinkwitz is still a strike, such an important, strong relationship with Coach Sunkett there is big. Um, you know, because he influences a lot of guys, not, you know, nefariously, he wants to see what's best for his players. And it's good that that Drinkwitz and, and Coach Sunkett have struck direct chord. So this could be a pivotal thing for him. Um, and, you know, you don't want to make too much out of one guy, but uh, this, is a, this is a pretty prominent player. Um, the only other thing I'd add, and I guess that and I'll be Luther burdened out, but I've already seen some folks kind of trotting out there. Well, what happened last time Missouri got got a top receiver, you know, referencing the, the DGB stuff. And, you know, first of all, Doriel was a really good player for Mizzou before he made some really dumb decisions and, yeah. and got himself in trouble off the field. And, and he has to own those and his career panned out the way it did. But, you know, the idea that, that just because another top ranked receiver is going to, uh, is going to have off the field issues because of dumb decisions, that's pretty, pretty unfair to, to this guy who's done nothing to suggest that, that, that he's going to have any issues like that. So, you know, if folks want to compare things that happen on the field, I, I think fair point, you know, can they get him involved? Can they have the quarterback that, that opens up his talent the best way? Totally fair, but suggesting that a guy is going to have off the field issues um, just because another top ranked receiver did that that's, that's an un, unfair reach. And it's disappointing to see some people making that, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's think about what, what do they have in common? They play the same position, um, uh, maybe, maybe a few other things that might be uh, provoking those thoughts that are completely unfair and mean really nothing. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's social media for you. That's, you can take swipes and jabs at people with, uh, without any, you know, repercussion at all. And, you know, if, if he played cornerback or tight end, you know, and he was a five-star guy. Would anybody been making the DGB comparisons? No, not at all. I was really impressed with some of the things that Luther Burden Jr., his father, said, and I believe it was in uh, Benjamin Hockman's column about just how he, he you know, has made his, his son focus so much on, on school and, and, uh, and athletics just to keep him out of trouble. And, and he's been, had, had a really diff, disciplined lifestyle from, from what it sounds like and, and from what he said in those comments. And it's paying off that he's going to be able to graduate early and get on college campus uh, a semester ahead of schedule. And, you know, for Missouri's sake, they, they hope that he's, you know, that instant impact player that can, that can change your offense and change your program. We'll, we'll see if it happens, but definitely a, uh, this was maybe the most productive bye week that Missouri football has had that I can remember in a pretty long time. Uh, we'll see if they fix their issues on the field. Uh, they're going to have some injuries, I'm sure, coming out of that Texas A&M game, but they still have another week now to 
get ready for, you know, a, a really bad Vanderbilt team and, and Missouri hopes to finally get that first conference win. And then who do they play? Oh, they go to Athens, Georgia to face the number one team in the country, assuming that Georgia is still undefeated number one when the Tigers come visit Athens. But if you asked Eli truth serum style, if he'd rather have Luther burden for future seasons or a win against Georgia this season, he might have picked beating the Bulldogs to get Luther Burden. Um, now, will Kirby Smart take it out on him? Um, <laughs> probably, probably so. Um, and, and and I do think that there is the page is almost kind of starting to turn on this season, and it's it's the Tigers' job to say, hey, wait a second, they can they can they can still put a positive uh, positive ending on this year. But there there are a lot of eyes starting to look forward, and part of the reason is because they just got this talented receiver and, and kind of to echo your point there, I thought it was really cool that he did the uh, announcement at the Matthew Dickey's boys and girls club, because yes. he said that, you know, that that place meant a lot to him. And, you know, you saw the photos there of, of kids in the crowd who, you know, young football players who are going to want to grow up to be Luther Burden. And the fact that in this era of recruiting videos and, you know, making all these grandiose announcements and it's turned into a whole cottage industry, how to announce where you're going to school. The fact that he said, I'm going to, go here and bring attention to this place that is helping kids and, you know, giving guys a chance to learn the game. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool and tells you a little bit about the young man. So good, good move on his part there. And, uh, and hopefully the message got conveyed to folks who wondered why the location was the location. So I think that tells you a little bit about Luther and uh, yeah, man, I, I do think it's good that we took a week to maybe not talk about the, the defense. <laughs> Yeah, that that people, that can, time people can rage. Go back to rage listening next week. You know, I, I got to beat Vanderbilt though. They got to beat Vanderbilt. Oh, I mean, yeah, that, you can't lose to Vanderbilt. That goes Don't lose to Vanderbilt. Saying. That goes without saying. Uh, Vanderbilt is like a different level of dysfunction this year. I mean, they just can't do anything right. So, I I think Missouri will be favored by seven to 10 points. And I think they should be able to win that game. And, you know, they just need to get back to it. And we're not going to talk too much more about this season. Um, but they, they need to get back to being that team that was, it, for the most part, played okay at, at Kentucky offensively, um, not defensively, obviously, but was functional and able to hang with a good team. I mean, that's I still think Kentucky's the best team they've played this year, and that was a, that was a close game down to the wire. Um, they've got teams left on this schedule, and I know – you know, the casual fan just wants to write off the rest of the season. Florida is not the team right now that they were at the beginning of the year. They're, they're struggling. They have lost six of their last eight games to power five teams. Um, so they are, that game is still down the road, but they are definitely a team that has lost all momentum under Dan Mullen. Um, and then Arkansas, I mean, are we seeing the real Arkansas now? They, they kind of peaked with that win over Texas. Texas hasn't done much since then. And then they beat Texas A&M, but they haven't done much since then. And, um, you know, you're going to be catching them at the end of the year. Who knows what's going to be happening then? So I, I, I urge people not to just completely write off what this team is capable of. We've seen teams come out of a bye week, have some things fixed. They kind of have a better idea who they are. And, um, you know, I don't know if they're fixing that defense this year. But offensively, I think, I think they can get back to being who they are, who they were. Get rid of these penalties and these turnovers and just give yourself a chance to be competitive against the rest of the teams on the schedule. Yeah, stop beating yourself. And I think that's why the A&M loss was so disappointing. Wasn't that they lost. Everyone thought they were going to lose, but they, they shot themselves in both feet. Like they were, they were putting their feet in the starting blocks and 
decided to, to shoot themselves in both feet before they did it, and then they're down. And once you're down like that, you're not gonna you're not gonna win. This team won't. So play just play more competitively. Give yourself a shot. I think that's that's a big one. Um, and I like what what Drinkwood said after the loss. I, I thought he really struck the right tone. You know, he he said, "Look, expectations might have been too high. You know, we can't skip steps." But then he specifically acknowledged, Dave, that he said, look, maybe I, I was a part of that. I, I gassed things up and I threw gas on the fire and that's on me. Um, now we've got to get to work. So, you know, you learn a lot about these guys when they face, you know, when they get punched in the mouth. And what we're learning about Eli is he's OK looking at himself. He's OK. You know, he's OK taking hard questions. He's not folding. He's not getting thin skinned. And he's acknowledging, yeah, I was. I was thinking we would be better than this, and now we're going to go through it. But I do think you learn a little bit about some of these guys when they have some adversity. He hasn't faced much in his no. career, um, and, and we're seeing him go through it. But I do like the way that he's going through it. So maybe that's telling for, for what lies ahead, and maybe it can be a little bit of a sweeter season for him in, in the second half. If he keeps recruiting like this, um, then, then it will certainly be sweeter seasons ahead as long as he gets his defense sorted out. But we're going to have plenty of time to talk more about that. Yeah, that really was a candid comment saying that, you know, maybe he got the fans too excited. I'd never have heard a coach make a comment like that. And <laughs> I didn't understand the reaction. The reaction to I got a lot on Twitter and you did too. Like, yeah. was it over his head? This is a terrible thing to admit. And I'm like, well, actually, I think it's a great thing to admit. You know, yeah. I, it would have been really disingenuous for him to sit there and say, I don't know where all these expectations came from. We weren't right. supposed to be good. And it's like, no, he went to SEC media days with, and painted a target on his back and was, was taking shots and, he thought this team was going to be better, and he's admitting that. And I actually, I actually appreciate the candor, and I think the realness of that for folks who are paying attention should have been appreciated. Yeah, and I, I think too, like a lot of that was to sell tickets and build this team up and get fans back in the stands. And we've seen that didn't really work. Like, <laughs> um, well, the challenging the fans thing that that did kind of blow up in his that, yeah, that did backfire, I think, to a degree, but you know, at this point now it's, it's not about bringing fans in because, you know, you, you probably lost some, some of the bandwagon. You definitely lost some of the bandwagon with the A&M and the Tennessee game, especially the Tennessee game. So now it's just about fixing this team, um, learning how to win, win some, get in close games. That'd be a start, get, get back to playing close games and then trying to win them in the end and Learning then, how to tackle and then grab, yeah, tackling's good. Covering is good. Not, um, not holding when you're trying to block all the time. Uh, that's, that's probably a good one too. So we'll see if they can get it fixed. Uh, they got the recruiting fixed. That's, there's no doubt about that on, uh, and I don't even know if it needed fixing. They just, they just keep getting better at that. So uh, now they got to add some substance to it. If they've got all the sizzle with the recruiting, now you got to put some, you, the recruiting ranking numbers only get you so far. Uh, now you got to get the, the other kind of numbers people want to see, and that's wins, getting your team ranked, things like that. But first things first, and that is Vanderbilt. But we will talk about that more next week. Some scintillating conversation breakdown of the Commodores. Assuming they lose to Mississippi State this week, which I'm sure they will, we're going to be talking about two winless teams in the SEC. The only two winless teams in SEC play fighting it out for sixth place in the SEC East. Well, Greg Sankey was at the last game. I, I bet he's not at this one. Dave, I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction that the commissioner will not be in the house for Mizzou Vanderbilt. Yeah, it got the, I know fans all think the 11 o'clock game is like the worst slot. No, it's actually that two o'clock three Eastern game. 
and that's where Missouri will play Vanderbilt because it's at the same time as the 2:30 CBS game. So the, the league is betting that, okay, no one's going to watch this game because everyone's going to be watching the game on CBS. So uh, they're trying to hide it as, as best they can. I, I guess they could have played it like 3 a.m. Um, but, you know, instead it'll be two central, three Eastern. I'll be there in Nashville to watch it and uh, they'll crown a, a sixth place champion. There be a trophy for this game? Oh gosh, no! We've already got that ridiculous Mayor's Cup for the South Carolina Missouri age old rivalry. We don't need one for for Missouri Vanderbilt. I've seen some rough like, Missouri Vanderbilt games in the past, and uh, yeah, it's it's not a great history. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll dive into that history that that rich history next week here on the Eye on the Tigers podcast. Yeah. So, uh, well, that'll do it for this week. We want to remind our listeners: please subscribe to our podcast uh, at Apple or Spotify or wherever you find your podcast, or you can always find them at stltoday.com slash podcast. Uh, when you do listen, please try to leave us a comment. We always enjoy your feedback. Uh, you know, we're not perfect on here. I don't think this was a, this, but this was a good one. So let us know what you like, what you don't like, and we'll always strive to be better. Uh, for Ben Fredrickson, I'm Dave Matter. We'll talk to you next week.